Hey, listen, w welcome to our first ever Inspire Sessions. And so this is an idea that we borrowed. Um, we've got a lot of uh, young people here, and um, we just want to um, reach, raise, and release the next generation. Because this is what discipleship is all about, right? Reach, raise, and release the next generation. And we're a church that does that. And um, Inspire Sessions is one of the ways that we're going to do that. And so what you're going to see today is you're going to see three different speakers all share for about 10 minutes each. Uh, first up, we're going to have Barrett Darling share. Barrett. Barrett has been one of my young people for, uh, I don't know, a number of years. We've sat and, and talked and hashed out life. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. And I got to know him really, really well. And uh, so, so excited to have him share today. And then uh, after Barrett, each one of them is going to have their own unique message. The messages don't go together, so don't expect that. Just know that you're going to get three short, quick messages today. After that, we're going to have Angelia Jenkins speak. Yes, the name is different. I had to pause there for, for myself, not for effect. Angelia Jenkins will speak. And uh, I, she's my daughter, and you know, she's been around forever. She's spoken at women's meetings and things. So uh, I know that the word of God is deep within her, and I'm excited to have her share. And then we're going to have uh, Zach Beck wrap it up today. He's going to bring the third message. And... Um, He's the one that kind of kicked this whole thing off. He's the one that brought me something. He said, hey, I have this. You know, maybe he said, maybe Holy Spirit Encounter Night. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm like, I've got another idea. So <laughs> Let, let's do this instead. So if this doesn't go well, we can, we can blame Zach. <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. Uh, so we're super excited. So come on, give your, put your hands together and just welcome Barrett to the pulpit this morning. Good morning, you guys. So I want to thank Pastor Matt. He definitely brought this up to me a while ago and just like, okay, I haven't public spoken in, since college. So sure, let's go for it. So I want to say Pastor Matt once uh, said to me, uh, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. You know, same with the bank account. And um, the question is, how do you use your time? Like, I mean... We're all busy. This world, uh, America in itself, has a busy schedule, and we have to keep to it. So I want to you know, just kind of go through it and uh, just simply start off with a man walking into his living room from a hard day at work. Been there, done that. And asked his beautiful wife, is my dinner ready? Can you grab me a sweatshirt? It's cold. Are you ready to Netflix and chill? His wife responds internally, I cleaned the house, finished the laundry, fed the kids, did the grocery shopping, managed to get a few bites of last night's leftovers, all the while putting the kids to bed. Leave me alone. <laughs> How many of us can say we feel the same at times? Yeah. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I can honestly say I've said no multiple times that I don't want to be still. For starters, I didn't want to give anything up to God because of some overinflated pride or just, you know, I can't be still. My brain might explode if I do. 
So even in the middle of my dilemma of controlling my own life, Jesus is still there. He wants to help me and unload whatever rocks I may find myself picking up along the way. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So for those of you who don't know me well, I'm a supervisor at an electrical supply warehouse, and we need to make deadlines to make customers happy. Yet it's a stressful job to a certain degree. Uh, there's always conflict, whether big or small. And the biggest thing for me is I always like to uh, fly away when stressful situations arise. So in case you guys don't know, flight, freeze, freeze, or fawn, trying to talk your way out of a situation, I'm always the one to run away. And I do my best and try to breathe through it, always whispering, Jesus, help me. Um, majority of my time, I try to control two-year-olds that are well over 20, 30 years older than me. Um, the biggest thing is simply somebody took my picking cart, the little shopping cart that we go around the warehouse with, and somebody took it, and now I can't do my job. I'm like, okay, we'll try and work that way. Uh, Psalm 107.29 says, he calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. So my question to you, how often in life do you feel stretched thin? The more you do, the more you pack into your calendar, you might burst. Jesus calmed the storm. How big are your storms? Most of you know I have small children. One runs around smiling and waving to everybody that she can see. And the other is on my shoulder, drooling, and smiling to whoever may look his way. And those two children are a blessing, even though they take up a majority of my time. Yet there are storms when I drive home and get ready in the morning. Meltdowns, hungry crying, and trying to learn the parenting way in pretty much the dark. <laughs> um, I don't always go right to God and ask for his peace. I push whatever negative feelings I have, push them down deep, and just get through whatever day I have. And come to find out, at the end of the week, I have a Category 5 hurricane inside. And like I don't have time for it, but Jesus wants it. He wants that Category 5 hurricane, and he wants you to give it up to him. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If someone loaned you their car for a week, you wouldn't be pulling donuts in a nearby parking lot. You wouldn't be throwing 20,000 miles on it or racing down 87 like you drive for NASCAR, even though I would honestly do that. <laughs> um, our bodies aren't designed for society's standards. Uh, if you can even call it living, I would say surviving at best. Um, Working 170 hours a week, sipping your fifth cup of coffee just to make it to 3 o'clock, <laughs> working out to impress your friends, and still finding time to sleep. What kind of life is it? God has given us amazing temples to do the work he has called us to do. So ask yourself, what are you doing 
with the temple. And also, what work has he called you to do? So for most of you that don't know me, I like to people watch. I find it interesting just to see what other people do and how they do it. So I was in a coffee shop one of those dimes, Starbucks, so for all you Starbucks fans. Uh, there was a woman there who was in line waiting for her coffee, texting, making phone calls. I was kind of impressed on how much work she got done in the amount of time she was in line. And uh, when she got her coffee, she took it, took a sip, and immediately turned right back around. She went right to the barista and said, hey, I need this fixed now. Don't know what was wrong with it. Don't know if she didn't add whipped cream, more espresso. I don't know. But it was interesting to see how her reaction changed from a simple interruption of her schedule. That that coffee was not right, so I got to make it more of an effort to go back and fix it. And granted, she did some choice words to the barista. And after the coffee was fixed, she went on her way, still texting and making whatever phone call she had. Um, which I was still a little impressed. Granted, she could have handled it better, but I was impressed nonetheless that she kept to her schedule and routine. Um, but I asked myself, how much baggage is that woman carrying? Like, what's on her mind? What's going on? And my heart was still out to her. And just to think that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, all the baggage that we hold on to makes it very difficult for the Holy Spirit to work. So with all that being said, there was a quote I found that says, one way to get comfort is to plead the promise of God in prayer. Show him his handwriting. God is tender of his word. So talk with the Holy Spirit. Talk with Jesus through scripture just to see how, you know, who he is. God wants to know who you are. He made you. Yeah, sure, he knows everything about you, but how much do you know about yourself? So just let God show you. Spend that time with him. Let him show you who you are and who he is. How many times a day do you also look at the time? I know most of us don't have wristwatches, but we pull out our cell phone every five seconds to make sure we're on schedule. At least I do. Um, most of us go about our day with schedules to keep and eyes always watching the time. You know, sometimes we're reminded to talk to God and even say a prayer or two, but how many of us actually do that? How do you feel spiritually at the end of it all? You know, I'm exhausted at the end of every day, but majority of the day I'm doing it on my own. So spiritually exhausted is just an excuse. <laughs> but God gave us the Holy Spirit to live in us, to breathe life in us. How do we respond? I find myself going to work, coming home, playing with the kids for an hour or two, and then going to bed. Maybe an hour of relaxation after the kids go down, but I'm spent. I don't want to be up anymore. Where is the Holy Spirit in all of this? Oh, no. The baby puked, and everywhere, and my toddler is crying because she's hungry. Have to clock in, get my employees working, or we won't make that de deadline. Oh, 
have to watch that TV show or movie just to relax or numb myself from whatever stressful day I had. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. God doesn't want to see you striving in the day-to-day -day chores. How about you strive to know the Holy Spirit? How long will you keep the Holy Spirit waiting? What is keeping you from spending time with him? Money? Family? Life? Great excuses, but how do you say that to God's face? I encourage you today to find a corner of your house or even in your car and sit still. Think. Don't say a word. Allow the Spirit to touch your heart. Filling you, mending you, re-energizing you. Stop trying to do life on your own. Not a prayer, not a one-sided relationship. Take our scheduled time to be still with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for the time that you've allowed us to be here. And Lord, I just pray that uh, anybody here that is in earshot of my voice, have them take the time to seek you, to be still and know you, God. You want to know us so much so. Just allow us to be still. Calm our hearts and minds to do so. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. 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 Come on, let's welcome Angelia. So today I want to talk to you about hope that produces courage. And I want to start in Numbers 13 by talking about Joshua and Caleb. But before we get there, I just want to give a history of the Israelites because this is their family, their background. So the Israelites were in Egypt for years as slaves. And Moses talked, God talked to Moses and said to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land. And so... We see Israel enslaved in Egypt, and we see many miracles performed with plagues and signs and wonders, and all of Israel is a witness of this. As the Lord uh, hardens Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh lets them go, the Red Sea is dried up, it's separated, it's so they can cross it on dry land. The Israelites, every single one of them witnessed the powerful miracle of God separating the sea, and they all crossed on dry land. And then they get to the wilderness of sin, and they cross that to the Mount Sinai, and they, every single Israelite see God descend upon the mountain, the glory of the Lord, with smoke and lightnings and loud noises, and they all witness the presence of God on this mountain, Mount Sinai. And the people of Israel at this point are afraid, and they're like, Moses, you go talk to, you go talk to God. We, we don't, we're afraid. We don't want to. And so Moses sets up the tabernacle, and he sets up what's called a tent of meeting, where a cloud would be over the tent of meeting by day, and fire would be over this tent of meeting by night. And it was to represent the presence of the Lord. And Moses would go into this day in and day out, this tent of meeting. And so Moses, um, he heard from the Lord that he would, they, he would take Israel into the promised land. And it's a, it's a land that was um, flowing with milk and honey, and it just it was very fertile soil, and it was great to have, like, you wanted to, if you wanted to build somewhere, that's where you'd want to build. 
And so he sent 12 spies into the land to go scout it out. And this is the report, starting in Numbers 13, 27, that they came back with. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let us go up now and take possession of the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. And the land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. To ourselves we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seen the same to them. Continuing on, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community, The land we passed through and explored is extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. While the whole community threatened to stone them, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of meeting. So here we see these 12 spies. Ten of them had a bad report, and two of them had a good report. Ten of them had a report of fear and of hopelessness, and Joshua and Caleb had one of hope and that God would fulfill his promises. And this is where I want to um, just concentrate on the difference between the 10 spies and Joshua and Caleb. It says in Exodus 33:11 that Moses would go into the tent of meeting where the presence of God was, and he would talk with God face to face as with a friend. And it says that Moses would return to the camp, but his assistants, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent which means that Joshua was in the presence of God, just like Moses was. He had an understanding of who God was, just like Moses did. So when Joshua and Caleb went to go spy out the land, they saw the same fruit that the land produced that the ten spies saw. And they saw the same people that inhabited that land. But the difference was is that they had an understanding, a confident expectation that God would fulfill his promises. And that was their hope, that they would take the land only because God was giving it to them. And so this life, this culture, this world, it has a, a, um, a report that is hopeless and fearful. And God is giving us one of hope. And I know this to be true because there was a time in my life where, you know, I'd gone through, I had three failed relationships and I didn't think I'd ever find anyone that would love and cherish me. And at the same time, I was in a workplace that took advantage of me, and the only way that I thought I could get out of it was working harder, but I was already at my breaking point. And so I was being told by this life that life was bigger than God. And so I remember walking into a prayer meeting, and my mentor, my old person, she's, she's a prayer warrior, and she's praying 
and she starts praying for my generation. And then she starts praying for me. And she's praying the hopes that God, the promises that God has over my life, that they would be fulfilled. And it was um, a refocusing that God will fulfill his promises. And sometimes in this life, we need to stop hearing the bad report and remember that God is one who fulfills his promises and cling on to that. And so there... So there's two reports. There's always two reports, and it's the confident expectation that God will fulfill his promises. And I just want to um, end with this in Joshua 2. It says, um, so Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites. Um, he's leading them into the promised land. It's been 40 years. So he's been he's around 80 years old, I believe. So he's waited half his lifetime. He's now leading the Israelites into the promised land. And they come across the city, Jericho. And he sends two spies into Jericho. And this woman named Rahab takes them into her house and she hides them. And before they all went to bed at night, this is what she said to them. In Joshua 2.9, it says, I know that the Lord has given you this land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og and the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on earth below. God was already fulfilling his promises when they crossed the Red Sea. The people that were in the promised land had already lost heart. That means that Israel, 40 years prior, could have taken the land then. And it was Joshua and Caleb that saw them. But it took the Israelites 40 years to realize that God was one to fulfill his promises. And when we have this hope, it encourages us to act according to his word and walk courageously so i just want to encourage you hope in the lord and then refocus on those promises that he's promised to you individually and stand on them and begin to pray on them so i just want to encourage you today god i just pray lord god that you would just um Bless us with hope and remind us of your promises, Lord God. God, I just pray that you would touch each one of our hearts and that you would remind us of your goodness and that we would walk in your presence and seek it out, Lord God. We just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Woo. Man, I could preach now. <laughs> Hey, uh, I, I, I do want to. I, <laughs> I do just want to say this. No matter uh, how young the person is, we used to have uh, young people speak uh, all during youth group. No matter how young the person is, um, you are always able to get something, glean something from what they say. And so it, it comes back to heart position. And uh, that was so good. I just want to—I want to mention this one thing because you read the whole story, and it—and this bears, uh, this bears witness. When they sent the ten, twelve spies in, they came back and they gave a negative report. Then they cross into the promised land. Their first battle is at Jericho, and what was the instruction of the Lord? You're to walk around the—you're—you're you're to walk around the city silently. Why? Because there had already been a bad report and we're not going to have another one. Just saying. Just saying. Hey, come on. Welcome, Zach.
All right. So I want to, <clears throat> pardon me, um, I want to start with a story because that's kind of where this all stemmed from a, a voice memo that I recorded while driving to, to send to Pastor Matt. Um, and it was in a, it wasn't too long ago, but a, a period of my life that I just had a lot going on. And it seemed like every, every corner I turned, there was, there was something new, something was popping up. And I needed to make decisions on some things. There were things I could control, things I couldn't control. And I knew I just needed to hear something from the Lord. So I was driving to work. Um, and I had Apple Music on at the time, and I was just picking what I was listening to. And I, I prayed. I said, Lord, I need to hear from you concerning something. I didn't say this topic, that topic, any topic. I just, I need to hear from you concerning something. Um, and I was like, I'm going to put on Pandora, and the Lord's going to show me show a song, me a song that, that I've never heard before, before and that song's going to speak to me. To me. And so, and so I put on Pandora, and the first song came on, and it was um, another another in the fire. Yes, another in the fire by Hillsong United. I love that song. I've I listen to it probably weekly, um, and I was like, okay, it's not a new song, but I'm going to get something from this. And okay, I, I can apply this to situations. It's not exactly what I'm looking for. So the next song comes on. One that I wasn't as familiar with, but still listened to, had listened to a lot recently, um, To Our God by Bethel. And I'm like, I'm listening super intently. And I was like, there's nothing here for me. It's still a good song. And I said, okay, Lord, the next song that comes on is going to be the one. And it was Broken Vessels by Hillsong, like one of the oldest songs, like, Heard it probably thousands of times, played it thousands of times. And I was at a stoplight, which is super important because when I'm driving, I'll skip with the button on the steering wheel. And when I'm at a stoplight, I like to hit the screen. And so I went to go hit the screen, and the Lord said, what are you doing? He said, stop. And I was like, OK. And I'm going to read it because I took the quote. Like It was awesome because I was able to do the voicemail and take the quote. And the Lord said, don't skip this. He said, why are you trying to speed up my process? Why are you trying to get to a place where you think you need to be when I'm here with you right now? And I was like, whoa. So I heard from him concerning something. It had nothing to do with any of the stuff I was going through. <laughs> so the first thing I told Bachelor about was, I'm going to be more specific next time I pray that prayer. <laughs> um, but then I got to thinking, and, and none of the situations I considered to be anxious about but the word I was using was antsy. They're synonymous. I was, I was trying to fool myself that I wasn't anxious about these things, and I was just antsy. Um, and so I had to go to scripture. And so Matthew 6, um, 25 through 27 is the first scripture I'm going to read to you. Um, it starts with, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. Uh, this is Passion Translation. For all of you, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. 
Yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And in the, in the Amplified, going back to verse 25, it actually says, Therefore I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy or distracted about your life. I was like, oh, okay. Perpetually uneasy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that scripture more in a second, but I want to hop to the next scripture that I have. Matthew, same Matthew 6, 33 and 34. <clears throat> so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. It's on your engage card. <laughs> but, deal, but deal with each challenge that comes your way, one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. One thing I want to speak to is that scripture is not about procrastination. It's not, it's not telling you tomorrow will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about that. If there's things that have to be accomplished, they have to be accomplished. What it's saying is when God is first, everything will subsequently work out. God will provide for us. Life is going to have troubles. You're going to have struggles and adversities. But God is our provider, and that's what he's going to do. That's his promise. So then reflecting on, on all of that. The whole, I wasn't anxious about the decision that had to be made, but I felt desperate to hear from God, to know that he was walking beside me, which is kind of a crazy thing. I've known my wife for, for 20 years now, almost. Um, I know she loves me and supports me. I don't have to ask her to show me that. I just know it. But there I was sitting in my car, be like, God, are you still here with me? Like, it doesn't make sense, like, now that I think about it. Of course he's still with me. But why did I ask for reassurance? Because there was an anxious thought. There was an antsy thought. There was uncertainty. There was fear revolving around these decisions that had to be made. The decisions were already made. God knew the outcome. And I just had to reassure myself for some reason. But God met me where I was at, right? I asked and he met me. The struggles and, and the trials are exacerbated with fear and anxiety. Something so small is 10 times the size of what it actually is if you harp on it, if you try and figure it out yourself. As I was working through this, I started just, I kind of saw um, basically worry and anxiety put cracks in your mentality. And sometimes our faith, if it gets bad enough, that's the, that's the purpose of the lies of the enemy, right? Is to put the cracks in your faith. Worry and, worry and anxiety are like sand in the crack. They get packed in, but when a greater storm comes along, they all get washed away, and they actually erode the concrete that they're in, and the cracks get bigger. So they don't fix it. They don't help. They make things worse. Fill the cracks with God. Replace the sand 
replace the worry and anxiety with his word and his joy, and that sticks it together. You're on a firm foundation that's built in Christ now. So how, how do you apply all this? Yum, don't put sand in your brain, right? <laughs> that's a good place to start. No. Apply the scripture to your life. Matthew 6, 33 through 34. Apply it to your life. Pray it over your life. Pray it over your day, your situation, and your circumstances. Constantly seek God's kingdom is what it says. Constantly, without ceasing. There's no 15-minute break period so you can worry just a little bit to take the edge off. <laughs> Constantly seek God's kingdom. And the rest of your needs will be met for the rest of your life by him, really. So I put on the Engage card, refuse to worry about tomorrow. But I want to add on to that, don't nonchalantly disregard important issues. Like I said, if there's something that has to be done, it's got to be done. But don't focus on the worry about the task over the task itself. Deal with each challenge as it arises, like it says in 34. But before you know it, and I've seen this in my life so many times, you're overcoming two things, five things, 10 things, 20 things, 50 things. So when you come to that next thing, you're going to look behind you, and you're going to see 50 reasons why God's been with you all along and has gotten you through it. So don't worry about tomorrow. So that's my prayer. Just, Lord, help these people not to worry about tomorrow. To just read this scripture and say, refuse to worry about tomorrow. Refuse to give into this anxiety and fear, antsiness, whatever label we put on it to make ourselves feel better. It all gets stricken away, and we focus on your, your goodness, your joy, and your promises. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on, let's give them a hand, all three. Thank you, Barrett. Thank you, Angelia, Zach. Wow, 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 wow. Great job, great job, great job. What you're seeing up here today is um, the result of decades of relationship. And so this is, this is discipleship. I know each one of these young people for, I, I don't know how long, I haven't actually counted, but it's been a long time. I've spent hours and hours and, and days and years and, and just decades. It's, it's decades of relationship. And so this is the discipleship process, right? Reach, raise, and release the next generation. Um, I know each one of these individuals deeply. If you've seen the common thread through all three of their messages, it was my old person said, right? It might have been Pastor Matt with somebody else, uh, but my old person. And so each one of these uh, younger people have someone in their life that they go to regularly to discuss these issues, somebody that's speaking into their lives. And so um, engage in the discipleship process. Right? Find your old person. That's what we say here at Redeeming Love. Who's your old person? Who's your young person? And so if you're, if you're older and it, old person, young person, it's not about age. That's, it's synonymous with the maturity of what they have to offer in the Lord. Right. And so all three of these people up here that spoke today, although they're, they may be younger than you uh, physically, they're, they may be more mature than you are in the Lord. And so they could technically be your old person. 
So don't discount that idea. Um, but find someone who knows more about God than you do and say, hey, I want to I grab coffee with you. Hey, I want to I grab lunch. Can I buy you lunch? Can I take you out to lunch? And just go and sit with that person and, 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 and berate them with your questions about God. You know, ask them every single question. This is, this is what I love to do. I just, I sit with, with people and, and we talk about God. We talk about things that they think and, and we bring correction uh, through the word, right? So, okay, that's the way you think. Where is that in the word? Well, I don't know. Well, okay, well, the word says this and it says that. And so what you said isn't true. And so this is what the old person is, is supposed to be able to do in your life, you know? Uh, we talk about the things of God, but we bring everything back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Even just um, this week, we were having a, 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 a meeting. I don't know. I talk to all, people all the time. And, and so my question always becomes, okay, where does it say that in the word? Prove it to me through scripture. Prove it to me through scripture. And so, you know, we need to know the scriptures. And so you come and ask, and, and they're going to lead you right back to, to the one place. They're going to lead you back to the Bible because that's where all the answers are. And the only thing is, like we've seen today, is that some of them have, a, have had certain trials and have had certain struggles. And maybe you identify with that struggle. And, you know, uh, man, you know, Zach deals with, with that stress. I deal with stress. I'm going to get together with him, and I'm going to talk about, hey, man, how did you overcome that? What do you do to overcome that? He shared a little bit this morning. He's a deep well of information. Same thing with Angelia. She has this hope. Man, I could use some hope. Who's your old person? I'm not just highlighting them. There's, all, there's many of you guys in here today. But what I want to encourage you to do is to engage in this discipleship process. We are not meant to do Christianity alone. Right? Christianity, me by myself, that does not exist. If that's your, if that's your frame, if that's your mindset, break it and throw it away. Because what God really wants is for us to be connected with others, deeply connected with others. And sometimes it looks like, hey, you know, I have this question and I have that question. And what about this? And what about that? And sometimes it just looks like, hey, I'm, you know, I know that you're going through some stuff and I'm just going to sit here with you. I'm not going to bring correction because that's not what you need. You know that what you did was wrong. I'm not going to tell you everything that you should have done. We're just going to sit in the mud together. Hey, man, I'm here for you. It doesn't feel good. I know it doesn't. Sometimes this is what we need the most. You know, I'm a fixer. And I can, you know, think that I can, <laughs> I can think that I can fix things. But a lot of times we don't need fixing. Sometimes we just need somebody to come and sit in the mud with us. You know, sometimes we just need somebody to come and say, hey, man, I'm here for you. I love you. Yeah, but you know what I've done. You know, I mean, this is what I've done. I still love you, man. God still loves you. Right? And so this is, this is part of discipleship, too. And this all happens in that mentor relationship, that old, old person, young person relationship. So I really want to encourage you today. Um, discipleship happens best where? Engage groups, in the context of engage groups. Discipleship happens best in the context of engage groups. Why? Because I'm the only one speaking today, and what happens is everybody is like, oh, yeah, Pastor Matt can be my old person. I don't have that much time. I would love to. 
I would honestly love to, that would, but I don't have that much time. So what happens is when you go to an engage group, you get to know everybody else that's in the room, right? Because everyone gets to talk at an engage group. And so we, suddenly we, we get to know everybody there. And all of a sudden, we're talking, we're sharing life. And you know, we do an icebreaker at engage groups. And we're like, OK, man, so what's the, what's the biggest struggle you've overcome? And so we go around, and somebody says, you know, I've, I've overcome this. I've overcome that. I've overcome this. You know, this was my struggle. And suddenly, you're like, man, well, I could use help with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite that guy out to coffee. I'm going to invite that dude out to, to this or that. And so this is how discipleship happens. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. Jesus developed the process 2,000 years ago. He set it into place with, his, with his, the 12 apostles, his disciples. And he said, here's the, here's, the, here's the model with which we will take the world. Discipleship. 2,000 years later, there isn't a plan B. It's not like, hey, this isn't working. Let's go to plan B. No, it's still discipleship. The process still works. As a matter of fact, Fortune 500 companies are adopting similar processes, and they're implementing them within their companies so that they can get the, the, this knowledge and this, this system within to their own culture. So it's a proven system that works. And so we need to come to the place where we're ready to, to engage in that process. So the thing I want to encourage you today is um, to really engage in that discipleship process. Find that one person. Find that couple of people that you can sit with, that you can, that you can glean from, that you can find and say, hey, you know, pray for me. Come sit in the mud with me. This is what I think the Bible says. This is, what about this with God? What about that? You know, and this is where we do life. This is how we make it work. Uh, this is how I made it work for, for so many years. So, Father, we just thank you today. God, I thank you for each one of these young people. Uh, God, who uh, shared their heart this morning, that shared the revelation of the word that you've poured into them over the years. God, I thank you for the fruit that comes. God, I thank you um, for what you're doing in their lives, what you've done in their life, and God, that they're released t today. God, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey, uh, I'm going to take the offering, seeing as I'm up here. So uh, there are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. Generally, there's a transition. Somebody else comes up and gets, gets the mic. But I've only been here uh, for a few minutes, so you guys are all right. Uh, there are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. There's a card in your chair backs uh, and a slide on the screen. You can QR code the thing, and that'll bring you right to the page. There's all different ways to give. You guys are wonderful, awesome givers. And what I really want to talk about this morning is just the fact that um, God asks us to give. Why, why should I give? Simply because God asked. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes we give sacrificially, but sometimes uh, we can just give obediently. It doesn't always have to be sacrificially. And so... Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. God asked me to do it. I'm going to do it, and I want to do it really, really well. I want to do it as best as I can. So you guys don't need a lot of encouragement to give. You guys are already awesome givers, so let's just pray. Father, we thank you for uh, every giver here today, God. God, we pray the blessing of God 
over each person. Father, we thank you um, that you've given us a heart to give. Lord, we thank you that all for all that is accomplished through the giving of the generous believers here, God. We thank you for lives that are touched in the city of Troy as a result of the dollars that will be given today. God, we thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, don't forget, we've got a free gift for you right over here in the Connect Corner. Grab your free T-shirt. Um, our prayer and healing team is available immediately following the service right underneath, the, right underneath the screens. So if you have any need of healing in your body, we've seen multiple, uh, we've seen hundreds of healings at this point. So if you need healing in your body, please, underneath the screen. Word of knowledge today, if you have blindness in one eye over here on this side, uh, we'll be praying for that. There's a word of knowledge for that. We want to pray for that blindness in one eye. I know one person, but we may have more if that's you over here on this side. And uh, we'll see you next week. Next week, uh, you guys can get excited. Pastor Steve is going to be bringing a timely message. Uh, I'm super excited about the message that he will bring next week. And we look forward to seeing you all. Amen. Have a great week.